So welcome to another episode of This Life Reconsidered. You know, I love doing this show because I love focusing on the learning. And I think it, you'll know that my, my emphasis is all about making sure that you're drawing lessons from those big moments that happen to us. And so since starting this show, I have wanted to look for meaning in living things and hopefully trying to figure out how to turn that into inspiration that makes me smarter. That said, I think that that's why this episode is probably going to especially resonate with all of you um, because I think we all know what it's like to love and commit and have things not work out. And that's a really, really, really tough reality to accept. And, but what do you do with that? You know, you break up and then like, are you growing from that? Are you learning? And where do you understand and reflect on who you were in that relationship without placing blame, just much more perspective and just being smarter about those kinds of things and the choices that you would make moving forward. And that's actually why I chose that topic because breakup is a universal situation. And I graciously have a very, very dear friend, Elaine, who has been through what I thought was a really amazing example of understanding who you are in a certain type of relationship. And I wanted her to kind of bring a little bit of perspective to that and also maybe offer a little bit of insight for those of you who may be in, in that kind of position and giving you an ability to kind of turn in and look in. And so I think that a lot of that will come through and I hope that you're able to get what I've been able to get in talking to Elaine about her situation with her ex and how that has shaped who she is. Um, that said, I, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn it over to Elaine. I want her to paint a picture of her relationship, how it started, and to take us through how that all began and to walk us through that journey. All right. So just starting from the beginning, it's just taking me back <laughs> to where I was at that time in my life. But I was in my early 20s. Um, I had my first kind of big girl job. I was working at a big agency, had a big client. And I was dating in South Florida. Wasn't very successful at it. I think I was dating someone at the time who was struggling with uh, some major addiction problems. And I, w I was looking to get out of the relationship. And um I had a girlfriend from my sorority who was dating a guy in the military and he was based in Georgia and I was going to the Florida Georgia game which is a big college rivalry game I, I went to the University of Florida for undergrad and she invited me to um, stop by her boyfriend's tailgate which had um, a bunch of military guys there and she had a guy that she wanted to introduce me to and I saw my ex at this tailgate and he was not the guy that was intended for me um and he was just 
so cool sitting back in this truck and drinking a beer and just had this like smile that could melt anyone. He was so charismatic. And I just knew in that moment, this is my person. Um, And so from there, things went really quickly. He was based in Georgia. I was still working in Miami and um, wasn't really happy with this job that I was working in. And um, he came and visited me a few times. And then he started, you know, arranging for my travel to go see him. And so he's in the military. He's living this military life. He had been in the military for a long time before. And um, it was my first time, you know, experiencing this life of, you know, living. He wasn't living on base, but very close to the base. And for those who don't know about military life, I mean, it is almost like the Truman Show in the sense that, like, you have everything you need to live in this one contained unit <laughs> on this base, um, which was so new to me. And there is this, like, sense of patriotism and this constant looming, you know, deployment um, energy and um, the sense of camaraderie. And um, there's a hierarchy with the different levels in the military. I mean, there was this whole new world. Um And so, you know, I left my job at the agency in Miami. I basically moved in with him and I started living this, this whole new life. Um, and it was a whirlwind. It was, you know, so romantic and so fast moving. And, um, he would, you know, come and visit my parents and, you know, for the first time in my life, like he was the first guy in my life that was fully embraced by my parents. And it was, um, to know me is to know that um, I'm, I'm constantly seeking the approval of my parents. <laughs> it's um, just one of those things in my life. And to finally have someone who was just just literally embraced from the moment he walked in was just this this happy, um, this really just happy moment for me. And, and it just um, made me energized in so many ways. And so this you know, this new life of living on base, this, you know, constant looming deployment is about to happen. Um, you know, I've, I've fully just kind of embedded myself in this whole new world, meeting new friends, you know, just creating this, this new life for myself. Um, and, and knowing that my family was so supportive of it, like I I couldn't have been happier at that time in my life. Um, and so fast forward, um, you know, we, we know that the deployment is, is coming up. Um, and, we basically start making, you know, plans for our future at that point. Um, and I knew that he was going to go away and, you know, was hoping that when he came back, he, we would, we would, you know, get engaged. Um, and I have to say that like his deployment, I think made our relationship just go into overdrive. Um, it was the hardest thing ever. I mean, if, if you can imagine a deployment, you know, the, you have all these guys who know that this could be the the last time they see their their parents, their their girlfriends, their wives, this and that. I mean, emotions are literally at an all time high. And I was with him, um, and you know, you're you're just waiting for them to be called basically onto this like white stark white you know bus to take them off to you know some plane to take them abroad or whatever, and. Um, they're there with their, you know, their bags, which is basically like their life for the next year and their, their gun and you're just waiting and it's just torture. And, you know, I was so sad. I was so sad. And I, re- I remember um, they got on that white bus and I just got in my rental car um, and I just like followed behind him just sobbing. I was so tearful. And then they 
the phrase hurry up and wait comes from the military because they basically just put them in this, you know, area to wait to again go to the next step in, in their journey off to the deployment. And I remember just seeing him in this like open field um, and I'm sitting in this car, this rental car, and I I could not like it was my goodbye to him. I had already said goodbye and I'm just like watching him and I'm just knowing like I may never see you again. Like I, I was so devastated and so sad. So anyway, he deploys and um it was you know it was this like weird thing because again you're you're not really getting to know the person you're just living in this like heightened sense of emotions um you're talking you know intermittently over FaceTime and you know it's not it's not real life it's not the day to day and um and so he comes home um during the midpoint of his deployment I, at this point, had found a job where I was able to basically live and work close to where he would be when he returned. And um, and so I'm living my own life. Um, I'm also, at this point, like building my career, too, because he's gone. You know, I'm winning major awards because I'm literally like spending all my time just working because my, you know, love of my life is deployed. And um, I'm in this new area of the country, so I don't have family or friends. And so I my my professional life is is starting to really like take off at this point um and he comes back and you know he proposes to me and it wasn't um it felt it's felt a bit premature it felt like it just was something that you know I wanted to do um because everyone else was doing it you know there is this this element um particularly when you're from the South of like being in your, you know, mid twenties and, or early twenties to mid twenties. And you're seeing everyone on social media with their rings and they're getting engaged in this and that. And, and you also have this feel, I had this feeling of my family just fully embracing this guy. And so it was like, Oh gosh, I, I guess this, this is it. You know, this is the, this, this is, this feels right. But really like it didn't feel right, you know, because we had had this relationship that moved so quickly and it was so passionate, but it moved so quickly, but no like real work had been done up until this point. You know, I hadn't really gotten to know his family. Um, I hadn't really gotten to know his friends. Um, so here we are engaged and, you know, you should probably be at a point when you're engaged of really knowing the person. And I'm not sure we, we had done that work. Well, you know what, Elaine, let's talk about that (laughs) because you've illustrated a a, a relationship that was filled with intensity Mm -hmm. and emotion and at very heightened moments in both of your lives. Mm -hmm. And that is a lot to kind of go through. And when you paint that kind of picture, would you say that it was that there was something about being being driven by a moment that kind of hindered you from kind of taking a moment to to pause and mm-hmm. and do more of the traditional courtship yeah. like because when you're talking about career growth and you're talking about you're talking about you know his uh, his uh, trajectory and 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 life with the military you're talking about a lot of really really intense things but along that journey you're also not spending time in in talking about i don't know kind of like what your pet peeves are <laughs> like the little tiny idiosyncrasies that factor in or was that was that irrelevant like how would you describe that 
because we were living in such a a la-la land, that hard work was not being done. I mean, we were physically not even in the same place for a large part of our relationship. I mean, he was in the Middle East. (laughs) So, you know, there's a lot of day-to-day work that should go into getting, at least in my opinion, getting you to an engagement. And and that work was not being done. You know, seeing the day-to-day, seeing how we deal with challenges, seeing how, you know, we you interact with other. I mean, those kind of things that happen when you are physically near each other and putting in that time, that, that didn't happen with us. And I think, would you... At, at, at what point, and we can talk about this mm-hmm. because I really want to hang on to this and address this a little later. Mm-hmm. At what point you realized mm-hmm. that that work yeah. wasn't being done? Sure, um, sure. But uh, because I think that there's there's probably something to hook on in, in, into that, and and why getting that work done is so essential. You know. Yeah. So um, take take us. A, a little bit, so I, I'm sorry, and I wanted to hook onto this because I, I want to be able to talk about um, your your trajectory from that point. So talk to us a little bit about kind of when you started to kind of understand uh, just kind of what you wanted and how, where this was going to go. So he goes back to the Middle East after he proposes to me, which is during the midpoint of his deployment. And... I am, again, working and thriving and creating a life for myself, um, somewhat independent of him, but still that there's this, you know, person in the picture, but he's not really here physically. And I'm simultaneously planning a wedding, you know, and my family's very excited about it. There's a lot of money being pumped into this wedding, a lot of energy, a lot of people, and that is moving. That train is has left the station Um, And so he comes home and this wedding is pretty much fully baked at this point. The intent is there and you start to realize, okay, now it's actually time to to live together and to get to know each other. Um, And so we live together in a new place and, you know, we start talking about the future. And one of the things that had become pretty clear to me was that, I did not want to live a life in the military that just wasn't going to be for me. And that had been his life up until this point. Um, He came from a very different background than me. Um, I would say that I grew up upper middle class, but surrounded by an extreme amount of affluence, Um, not necessarily my home life, but of, of my cohort, essentially. He grew up um, in a a working class family um, in in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and, um, you know, dealt with some major uh, uh, hardships that um, molded him to be an extremely wise and empathetic and um, just so many great things about his life because of his background, but very, very, very different backgrounds than us. And so the way we looked at life was very different. Um, and it not bad or good, just very different. And I knew, but he, because the military essentially got him out of, um, you know, out of Albuquerque and created more opportunity for him, he had a sense of a relationship with the military that was, that long, you know, it came long before me. Um, and it, 
there's a loyalty there and something very deep and meaningful to him that I could not, I certainly could not appreciate. Um, so he, so essentially what happened was I said to him and I, I put down my foot and said, I, I don't want this life. We need to start transitioning out of the military. And so you talk about kind of these aha moments. I think that, that was when some aha moments occurred. Um, you know, I really pushed him to find a path out of the military and, and that became graduate school. So he started studying for the GMAT and it was a huge struggle for him. Um, I mean, you've taken the GMAT, I've taken the GMAT and nobody loves the GMAT. It's not fun. Um, but there is, when you're committed to it and you want it, that's a different energy than someone who's doing something reluctantly because someone is basically forcing them to do it. And that's what was happening with my ex. You know, I remember just kind of being in our little apartment living room and just watching him hover over this GMAT book and just struggling so much and just knowing to myself, like, this is not, this is not him. This is my dream for him, not him. Um, And I should have known in that moment that some resentment, that would be the beginning of some resentment. Um, so he eventually takes the GMAT and he, um, he gets into the University of Notre Dame, um, which was a, a huge step, um, forward in this kind of goal of getting him out of the military. At this point, my career is in full overdrive. I get an offer at a, a major global company, um, in my profession, this would be like considered, you know, you've you've really launched yourself at this point. So I've gone from the agency world now to getting a corporate position at this global company. And I leave him um, in Georgia. And I come to Chicago and I take on this new step in my career. And he's meanwhile back in Georgia trying to transition out of something that he genuinely loved for me um, because he knew that was important to me. And I think when you think about, you know, what are the lessons learned in, in this, for me, one of the lessons that I've learned is being very mindful of what your partner's real passions are and what they love and not trying to change them for yourself. Um, and so I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have done that. Um, so he... He gets, um, he essentially gets into Notre Dame, starts transitioning out of the military, and eventually moves to Chicago, where I was living. So you've taken us through kind of a, a, a journey that seems to highlight that there was a conflict of future, like of, yeah. of what you wanted your future to look like. And not having had that conversation, is that what you, is that what you would say is where you went wrong? Or are, are there other factors and variables that you think contributed to that on your side, on his, just reflectively as you think about it? I think being young and not really knowing, having, having the wisdom of knowing what's truly important to you um, and being able to clearly articulate that, but also having the wisdom to know that when you try and change somebody else um, to do something that they, that 
is not going to make them happy, that does not bring them meaning um, to fulfill your own dream, that that is a that is that's one an incompatible relationship (laughs) but two it's a recipe for resentment and so and I, i think it's interesting that you say that because very rarely can we i think when we look at breakups and things and we try to either figure out where we could have fixed things Mm -hmm. um or it's or find faults or find the other person's faults you know um but it seems like that there is a deep understanding that you have intuitively about where your place was in this in this narrative and how you helped kind of contribute to that but I, i think that and I would wager to say that, like, was that something that came to you immediately? Or how long did it take you to kind of get to that realization? It came in waves. So I remember walking down the aisle and a lot of money was invested in my wedding. Um, it was obnoxious, the amount of money that was invested in this. And my parents were very generous. But um it, it was very over the top. And I remember walking down the aisle and and just looking out and thinking to myself, did I, it, did I rush this? Like, do I really know this person? I remember um, just really thinking to myself, we come from very different places. And I don't know that we've really gotten to know each other's families deeply. I, I particularly did not get to know his family deep enough. Um, and family is for me a really big, important piece of my life and having a relationship with my partner's side of the family is extremely important. And I remember walking down the aisle and kind of looking at the faces of his family and thinking to myself, I did not spend enough time getting to know his side and and where he came from. So it was that moment, I think. It was also, you know, moments along the way of, of you know, just illumination um, like that, that helped me realize, oh, gosh, there was not enough time really put into this um, before we committed. And as you and, and I think that as you as you reflect on 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 that journey and kind of the person that you are now, mm-hmm. um, would you say that there are would you would you consider either undoing it or redoing it um or do you or do you like to think that that information that you've gathered in that relation in that relationship and and that experience is what you needed to be a ver- the version of yourself that you are now i am absolutely convinced that this happened very much to teach me lessons about myself about what I want for my future, and how to be a better person. I gave um, very little in terms of compromise uh, to my ex, and he was the opposite. He did everything. He he did nothing but compromise. Um, And so I'm so grateful that I had that experience, and I feel, you know, a lot of regret in the way that I treated the relationship, but it helped me grow tremendously because I learned so much from him. And, you know, one thing we haven't mentioned up until this point is we mentioned that he came from a working class family. 
He is also a minority and being a white woman who grew up around a lot of affluence and very privileged, I learned a tremendous amount about empathy for people who come from different places than I did. Um, Being in a biracial relationship with him, I saw the way that he was treated compared to the way that I was treated and the way that others treated him. it it really opened my eyes to the world. And so just, just, I'm so grateful for so many things that he as a person taught me about how to be a better person, about his experience. Um, I'm so grateful to have had that exposure. Um, And I truly believe that you are thrown these different experiences in your life, these different people and these different journeys to create this, this, this book with different chapters that lead you to the end of the story. And Um, I've become a much more aware person of how I want to treat others, how I want to treat my, you know, my, my future partner, um, and, and how I want to show up in the world as a result of this relationship. So no, I would, I would absolutely, you know, it's very painful. And I think we'll get to that about how, you know, the, the unraveling of the relationship and how painful that was, um, and, I wish that could have been better. <laughs> um, but when I think about everything that was prior to the unraveling and the growth um, that I've experienced as a result of all that, no, I, I would not change it. So so you said a lot there, and I kind of want to I kind of want to talk about a couple of points there. So you talked a little bit about kind of your awareness of his experience mm-hmm. and, and your your understanding and, and mm-hmm. empathy. Would you say that before that experience, you were just, I don't want to say oblivious, but just kind of unaware? And how, is that something that, how is it that you apply that, that learning and that insight moving forward? I think, I think it is oblivious. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think being in a marriage with someone who have ha- who has had that kind of struggle and who continues to have that kind of struggle simply because of the color of their skin, that is something that I'd never experienced. I was oblivious to. Um, so that that was such a gift that he gave me to be fully embedded in his experience and, and to have that kind of empathy, um, to be aware of it and 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 open my eyes did you do you think that that made you much more appreciative because and i and i, and I mm-hmm. say this in candor mm-hmm. um especially um you know being a woman of color yeah. um i i think that sometimes there's a lack of understanding of the fact that living a certain type of social experience mm-hmm. is just a, a, re, a daily reality a daily reality i mean so much was unclear to me up until that point, but living with him day to day and seeing that it it is an exp- an everyday experience, it it was absolutely an eye opening experience for me. And do you think that did did he ever seek kind of support for for from you in those difficult moments? Did you say that you had that kind of relationship in which you were? leaning on each other for those kind of difficult moments or was there were that levels of reciprocity did that not really uh was that really not an issue like how do you find that you found support in each other 
emotionally for those difficult things because something like that if he's living a certain kind of experience and seeks that from you that's that's difficult yeah i think in general he he was very wise to the world um and i was very naive to the world and he was and still is, I presume. I haven't spoken to him in years, but <laughs> he is a very um, kind and generous soul. And um, I think, I think I was very just in general towards different moments of our, whether it be forcing him out of the military or, you know, one element um, that we haven't gotten to yet is he gets out of the military, he gets out of grad school, he graduates, and then what? And he had a very hard time. Um, with that transition, as do many um, people who are transitioning out of the military, because I think we can. This is maybe a bit of a commentary on my uh, opinion of the military, but there, in my view, there are very few jobs in the military that actually help transition someone from the military to a civilian life. It's in many situations, you know, it's, it it is hard to translate the job that they're doing in the military into the real world. And they don't train them very well for that, unless you're say a pilot or doctor, or, you know, some very specific task. And so my ex, in my ex's case, it just because he had this fancy new degree, didn't necessarily mean he was going to walk out of this and get you know, this dream job. Um, because while he had, you know, up until that point, 10 years of military experience and had gone from enlisted to an officer and deployed multiple times and had an amazing career in the military, that didn't mean anything to the outside world. And so that, you know, this is my long way of answering your question about the struggles. I mean, that was a struggle he was going through. And, you know, I think I did not, I didn't give him the support he needed. I think I was constantly just pushing, pushing, pushing for I want to get you to this place and to be this person that I envision you to be. Maybe it's, you know, a person that or a persona that I had grown up around and I thought, you know, that's a definition of success. Um, But, you know, I think one of the lessons I've learned is I need to be more aware of the day-to-day struggles that my partner was going through. and I don't think that I was as empathetic as I should have been. And he was nothing but empathetic to any of my struggles that I was going through. You know, I think it's it takes there's there's some interesting ownership in your reflection of of, of this kind of of this experience because I think and I I, I think I've, I nodded to this that you know sometimes we are so quick to find you know, where we were right in something. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's because, you know, we never want to feel like we, we kind of contributed to the demise of something, right? And that's just human nature. So I don't think that that's, that's unusual. Um, but it's, it's interesting where you look back and reflect on where you own kind of where things turned and where they weren't. So I, I, I think I, I, I can appreciate that because I will, I will definitely like call myself out on where I know I've had things kind of end or not go well. And I start, even after I've owned my mistakes, I start on theirs. Um, and I think that that's just kind of obviously different strokes. But I, 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 that's, that's why I wanted to, you to talk to us about this because I think it's... It, it takes a, a big person to kind of own kind of 
where there where the opportunities are. But I also can appreciate how that translates into the way that you've kind of have entered where you are in your current relationship. Mm-hmm. And I would love for you to, um, and I want to bounce around a little <laughs> bit because I want to pull the lessons and and the advice that you'd want to give to yourself. But tell 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 me a little bit now that you know kind of where you've gone wrong, how have you kind of taken all of that knowledge and then turned that into the version of yourself today that you live individually and that you live with your current partner? I think the most important thing, and we haven't gotten to the the demise and the unraveling, um, but I, for my own sanity, as someone who's 33 years old, who is, you know, getting into that midlife, you know, time from or coming up to it, I'm wanting to be very thoughtful about how I approach things moving forward because I'm very mindful, like, I have a second shot now. Um, and, you know, one of the things that is so hard about a divorce is the people that go along with it with you. Um, for me, it was so hard at the end that the only way I could deal with it was by really dealing with it on my own. And so I pushed a lot of people away. Um, my parents, um, friends, a, a lot of people. And it I know that was hard for them. And so I feel so deeply guilty about that, but that was my only way of dealing with it. And so when I think about my next relationship, I think about the people that, were invested in my last relationship and who were devastated as much as me by the end of it. And I don't want them to go through it again. So what I focus on right now is in my new relationship and my relationship with myself, my relationship with my, my friends and my family is being much more empathetic and thoughtful about how I approach these relationships, really thinking about what other people need but also thinking about when I think about my new partner right now, truly, what do I need? Can that person give it to me in their current state? And I'm not thinking about, you know, the approval of other people or the approval of my, you know, my family. I'm really thinking about, is this person a good fit for me? Is this what I really want? I don't have to change him. And even if in his current state, you know, there may be elements that are, you know, that's different strokes for different folks, may not be what other people may want for me. I know that I've been through a relationship where I was trying to change a very good person into something that they did not want to be. Um, and I don't want to do that, you know? And I also did not have a relationship with his family, um, and that saddens me a lot. Um, and it was it was in large part due to we were, you're talking about, you know, like placing not placing blame, but pointing, you know, pointing fingers or whatever. Um, you know, I don't know that his family actually did much to try and, you know, reciprocate the relationship. But I know that I didn't give enough to try and, and create a relationship with his family for whatever reason. And um I don't want that for the future. I really want a partnership with someone where their family is just as big a part of the life, our life as our relationship. And so I focus 
very much on being a good partner too. Um, you know, focusing on what they need. Um, I think I was very selfish in many ways. You know, I think being loving and patient is such a skill. (laughs) And, um, you know, I unfortunately did not grow up with parents that modeled, um, very good behavior in terms of how to be empathetic to each other and how to truly love each other. Um, so I, I focus right now on learning how to love in a way that's going to sustain us for the future. Um, and you know, it's, it's been like such a, a growth thing for me because it's like, I feel like I'm, I'm observing all the time. You know, I feel like I, I'm really much more thoughtful about like those relationships that have been longstanding. Like, why is that? You know, and really trying to dissect because I didn't have that. I didn't have that in my life. I grew up with, you know, parents that fought a lot and who weren't very loving to each other. And I grew up around so much affluence and, you know, other family or not family, but, you know, people in, in my life and my community that were just living these crazy lives that weren't really real. And so I'm trying to be much more observant on like the real world. Like what, what are the, 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 the ingredients to a happy, sustainable, you know, uh, future recipe basically. Oh goodness. So, so sorry, that was a lot. No, that was a lot, but, but this is, this is, like every like every other subject like this this is this is a lot there's it's never it's never short um but talk to me a little bit about and i you you tipped your hat to this a little earlier and made a mention of kind of like the 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 demise and the unraveling um can you talk a little bit about that period yeah and just kind of what you were going through there and then also just kind of what really became really clear to you at that point so we had been married for about five years at this point going on six years and we had you know we i had been off birth control and we were very much ready and welcoming the idea of a child in our life in our lives so i thought we so i have an autoimmune disease that I was convinced was the reason why getting pregnant was not happening and finally got to the point where we got him checked out and turned out that there were some issues on his end. And that sent, I think, us into a bit of a spiral. I think that was the beginning of the end when I, he told me that he didn't want to have children. And that was mind-blowing to me because that's something that I had not known up until that point. Um, And so he had been building up a lot of resentment towards me for all those years. And then now I'm starting to get resentful because this is my future now. And I want this for my life. We also... He had gotten a job with a very big consulting firm um, and and was really taking off. Um, But I had in my mind that it it should be moving quicker. It should be, you know, a higher level. It should be this. It should be this salary. It should be, you know, just prescribing just stupid ideas of where we should be financially. And it was unrealistic. And that was just causing him the combination of 
you know, I think him and feeling somewhat like defeated in, in terms of, you know, our fertility and how I envisioned him as a, a man providing for our family and really just kind of, I think those were just too much of a hit for him. I think he was taking it from both sides. Um, and, you know, it, this is a bit of a debate, I suppose, but I do think there were some elements of PTSD that were that were being triggered after multiple deployments um, and now, you know, pretty traumatic things going on in our life. And so he completely disengaged from the relationship. You know, he would, um, so he was, he had this new job and a newer job with this big consulting firm, but he was also in the reserves in the military. Um, and he would work until just late, late hours, um, would come home. I would, you know, have dinner ready for him and he would just completely not acknowledge me and go into our little den area that we had in our home and wake up early, start working, you know, and, and then on the weekends he would go to the military base and he just really disengaged. Um, and at this point I'm feeling desperation because I have a husband who has detached from the relationship completely I'm also the type of person, um, and I've one of the things that has changed <laughs> since then is that I'm not this way. I'm now I'm just kind of like, listen, I'm a little messed up, and this is what it is. But I've learned a lot from it. Prior to that, and you know this, Janina, because you were on my Christmas card list for many years. I was very good at positioning a very happy picture of my life. You know, the photo shoots, the this and that. You know, every Facebook picture was, you know, very curated, and you know, and. Um, and, and things are unraveling and I am not the personality to let, to air the dirty laundry. And so I'm not reaching out to a lot of people at this point. I'm struggling in silence. And I, at this point, I'm like, I'd be damned if I tell my parents that I've failed because look how far I've gone, you know, I've come to get their approval finally, you know? And so I don't let them in on this and I'm trying everything, you know, to kind of bring him back to life, but it is too far gone. It is too far gone. Too much damage had been done. Not enough work had been put into the relationship to create that foundation. And, you know, one day, this is, you know, months are going by of us just not, me not being able to connect with him and him completely disengaged. And I just, one of the things that we love to do together, he uh, was a big runner. He, he, he ran marathons and very active. And I, I love to be outside and active and go for walks in the city. It makes me so happy. And that was one of the things we really enjoyed doing together. I said to him, I begged, I said, can we please just go for a walk? You know, because that's like what we used to do together is just go for walks in the city. And we go for a walk and I look down and I notice he's not wearing his wedding ring. And I was just like, did you, did you take off your wedding ring? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, I want a divorce. And um, I, was, I was like, I, okay, that's what you want. And so I let some time go by of just trying to recover the damn thing. And I finally just had to say to myself, you you got to let him go. Um, and so I, um, my sister, um, 
who I have to say was like an incredible support system at this time because when I finally realized it was over, I did bring her in and I, cause I, I had to have someone at that point cause I had nobody at that point. Um, and she became like my rock in all this. She was living in Chicago at the time. Um, but she was working for a, uh, one of the big four consulting firms and she was traveling Monday through Thursday. And so she, Monday through Friday. And so she had an empty home. And so I essentially just moved into her home. Um, and, um, I would go home while he was at work, you know, to get my laundry and, but I eventually just basically moved into my sister's place. And so we're separated at this point. Um, we're living separately, um, kind of unraveling the financial um, or separating the, the financial stuff slowly, but surely. And, you know, I had prior to the formal separation been kind of out of desperation, reaching out to some people in his life to try and get them to help me help him, which at that point it was too far gone. But uh, one one person I reached out to was the wife of his best friend. And I said, you know, I, I think I think there's some PTSD things going on here. Obviously, it was more than what. And, and again, it's I don't know if it was PTSD, but obviously there was much more to this than just that but you know that got back to him and he called me and said you know you need to stop telling people that and I agree you know until I knew that that was the case I should not have been mouthing off about that um but that was you know that was coming from a place of me trying to diagnose the situation and probably not fairly diagnosing it with the full picture and um he you know kind of he came unglued over that um And, you know, I had my parents also reached out to him to try and appeal to him, you know, at this point, um, you know, his family never reached out to me, which I'm still a little salty about. (laughs) Um, But, you know, so he came unglued and just said, you got to tell stop telling people this and this and that. And oh, by the way, I'm moving to I'm moving to Germany. So at this point, I know he has not only emotionally left this relationship, he is physically leaving this relationship. <laughs> um, and, you know, we remotely got a divorce. And it was the most peaceful divorce the world has seen. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, we both had attorneys, which we did not need. What a waste. Because they just went back and forth and were, I don't know what they were doing with each other. And just wasting he and I's time. And eventually we just, him in Germany, me in Chicago, we just got on, I think, on the internet and one weekend, just maybe via like Gchat or something like that. And we just knocked out a balance sheet between the two of us and create a separate, uh, created a, a, an agreement of how we were going to divide our a- assets over probably like a five hour time frame. Um, and it was, I was just, you know, I said, listen, you have what you want. I'll have what I, whatever. And we just, it was, it was easy. You know, we, we were, we weren't going to fight over each other. Cause I think at that point, you know, we both knew it was over and why screw each other? You know, like why have that? And we already went through so much like, why have that energy in our lives? So we just peacefully broke things up in a fair way. Um, and we we got a divorce and sold the house and 
you know, separated all the re- remaining financial stuff. And, and that was that. And um, so, you know, he was the one who filed for the divorce. And so the person who files has to show up to the courtroom. And so I just said to him, I said, listen, I'm going out of town. I'm going to Florida for this thing. I don't want to be there. I don't need to be there. I don't have to be there for the, the you know, the formal divorce proceedings or whatever. And, you know, go ahead and, and stay in the condo. I won't be there. You know, at this point, the condo had been sold, but they hadn't, the new owners hadn't moved in. And um, and so he, st- he stayed there. And of course, it's an empty condo. And, um, and I left him, I left him a long note um and really just articulated probably in a much better way than I'm verbalizing now (laughs) because it was in writing um you know just what I learned from the relationship and I I thanked him um I thanked him you know for what he taught me um and you know just really said I'm, I'm so grateful for the chapter in my life that was you and I Um, and I left my wedding ring with him, you know, and, um, and he took it. I don't know what he did with it, you know, and, um, and that was that. And, you know, after the divorce proceedings, he messaged me and said, you know, that was really hard. Thank you for your note. I feel exactly the same way. Um, you know, be well. And that's where we've left things. And, you know, that's it. So just because I'm a little bit of a romantic, I'm going to ask, yeah. at any point, did you think, at, even when you were going through the proceedings, that, man, I want to fight for this. I want to, I want to try. And for obviously, that's not where things ended. But why, if you, if you did, like, how did that go how was that met or was it just simpler than that it just you know you just kind of accepted where you stood um how would you say you kind of treated like the ability of want of not wanting this relationship to end if that's how you felt yeah I mean I I at I mean he definitely made it clear he wanted the divorce and I, I suppose you I could probably debate, and I'm not sure how productive it would be at this point, but I could probably debate like, oh, should I have waited along, around longer for him to come around, you know, or try some different tactic to change his mind? I, I'm sure we, we could debate that all day long, right? But the reality is he wanted out. I let him out. Um, and I, I think while, you know, this divorce was going on, I found myself, I found myself more angry than anything else. Um, angry that I felt like I would have wanted him to like fight, you know, for, to come back, you know, but that's repeating old behavior, right? Where I mistreat him and expect him to come back and say, oh, I'm sorry, you know? And so maybe that's unrealistic, that he would have, you know, come knocking down my door with flowers and said, I'm so sorry, I made the biggest mistake of my life. You know, I'm not even sure how productive that would be because was it meant to be, you know, were we just living out what was inevitable at that point? But I was a little angry and, you know, I was, I mentioned this earlier, I was super bitter that like nobody on his side 
reached out to me, you know, to offer like any support whatsoever. Um, so I think during all this, I never, you know, came unglued to him or anything like that. Um, but I maintained my composure there. But I think I, I think deep down I was, I had gone from being devastated to the dismantle because of the dismantling of this relationship from this man who's completely disengaged in what was a marriage to just kind of pissed, honestly. Mm. Uh, that, that, I, I, that feels like a, a reasonable description of an emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I think that, like, you know, as you talk about this journey and now that you have a chance to really deeply look at yourself going through this experience... Um, what would you say you have come to kind of gather about not just who you were in a relationship, but who you are, like, just in general? I think, I think for me, it's being very mindful about how I want to show up in relationships moving forward that I want it to be real I want it to be substantial I want to have the ability to be empathetic to really show love in the way that the other person needs that love not try and change other people just have the people in my life that are in my life for a reason and be purposeful about those relationships so I'm just going to ask, like, now that you've lived this experience and especially now that you have so much to draw from, and if you could go back and speak to that girl that went to the, to the game, the mm-hmm. football game, and met this kind mm-hmm. of, like, dreamy ex and started this kind of crazy roller coaster, um, what, would you, what would you tell her? What would you want to make sure she knows? Yeah. I would say you don't need the validation of others, okay? Take time. Have this whirlwind relationship. Go move in with this guy on this military base. Go live this, you know, little La La Land fantasy. But you don't need to rush into anything. You can have that, but take your time. Don't live up to other people's expectations that you need to get married right now or that you need to have a picture for the gram or, you know, you need, this is, it just take your time and really look at things thoughtfully. Um, Also think about what is truly important in life and what don't you want out of a relationship and what you've seen you don't want out of a relationship, why Why is that? And what contributes to that? And just be thoughtful about your behavior and how you treat other people. And so now that we're here and you've, um, and I, 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 love, I love your journey because in listening to a lot of these points, I, I, I find myself kind of understanding kind of where we want, what we want, and how do you kind of make sure that you're communicating that. And sometimes it's just really hard to have the conversations we should probably be having 
earlier than we have them. Um, and I, I've, I find myself kind of aware of the fact that at some point it's not perfect for everybody when they figure that out. And, and it's, it's almost kind of like wondering, you know, what point, and obviously it's different for everyone, like how you, how you figure out when you, where you, where you kind of have to make certain choices and when you have to kind of start realizing that it's a partnership and not operating as two individuals, which is one of the points that I feel like I was able to glean from your narrative, right? That you were living as two in love individuals, but at, at some point you weren't living as a unit, right? And that's, that can only carry you to a certain point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and that's, it's kind of overwhelming to, to acknowledge that now. Like you now look at that point. Um, I, I, I guess is there, I know that we, we've talked about this and we've gone through this, but you know, like I, I think, do you, do you feel like, and I, I think I talked about this with you and I asked you this question during the pre-interview, um, has your view of love like now, like if you had to give love a definition, <laughs> <laughs> what would it be? Because I feel like there, there's, you know, there's got to be something good to come of this, right? Oh, wow. If I have to give love a definition. I mean, I think it would be like different bullet points for me. It would okay, be, you know, like, you know, compromise. It would be, um, it would be you know, thoughtfulness, it would be, um, quality time. It would be, um, you know, sharing those moments that matter to each other, you know, each other's families. Um, it would be growth. It would be building something. I think for me, I have, um, I, I've I, and we didn't talk about this with my ex, but we one of the things that I really wanted for the two of us was to build some kind of a, a business together, a small business together, and that's still something that is like in my mind as really like I want that, um, and I'm really fortunate in my new relationship that we are building something together that we both get really excited about. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's all those things and, and compatibility. But I mean, I guess at the end of the day, love like truly is a journey of of trying to be the best person of yourself with another person so that you can really enjoy life in a meaningful way. I think that, 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 that I think it's completely fine. You did it. Okay, cool. You did so well. Um, <laughs> is there anything? I know we've covered a lot of heavy stuff, and I, yeah. I know that it was definitely really difficult to kind of recount this experience and to use, you know, what you lived through as a model for us to learn with. Uh, but is there anything that you would say that we didn't get to cover? I would just, I would just, I mean, I. And I probably should have asked you this in the pre-interview more about your your who your audience is. But if there is anyone in the audience that is, there's something about growing up in age. I mean, truly, like 
old, you just, as you get older, you just get wiser. You know, there, there is just so much that comes with, with time that you learn with time. And if so, if there's anyone in the audience who, you know, is in a kind of forming state in their life, which is where I was when I made this huge decision to get married. <laughs> if you have any speckle of feeling like I am not fully formed yet, I have more to learn maybe pause before you get married because you bring a lot of people in with you and your hurt is really felt so deeply by the people who love you when it's all said and done. And so I would say, you know, for your own sake and your own heartache to preserve that, you know, be thoughtful about making that commitment, but also think about others because I think if I had if I had been able to, you asked me, you know, what would you say the younger Elaine? Um, if I had been able to just, you know, show the young Elaine, the old Elaine, just struggling alone in her, you know, her condo, just crying in devastation of this mantling of this life, of these, of these dreams of, of this relationship and just not knowing how to deal with that and, and help my family understand that or the people in my life and just, just feeling so awful about what I'm putting them through, there is no way that younger Elaine would have gotten married if she had seen what she was going through. I mean, that is that is pure, pure heartache, you know? And so I would just say be real thoughtful about when the ship sinks, you, you, there's a lot in that ship that sinks with you. And I went through this where I just wanted to be feeling down and out and, you know, poor me and why did this happen and pointing fa- I mean, I've had those moments. Trust me, I've had these moments. But it is unproductive. And, and truly, if you can look at it as a growth opportunity and, and just t- to change in a better way, I mean, it, it really, it, 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 hel- it helps me at least say wow this this truly happened for a reason to teach me something this was this was a necessary you know challenge in my life to help me live a better version of my my you know of my life moving forward yes now that making sure the boat continues <laughs> yes, to on the sh- on right, the course, right yes yes but no i i i really i really thank you for Aww. your story your time your insight your perspective your your authenticity and your willingness to share and be transparent and really appreciate that oh it's my my pleasure it was my pleasure it was it, was, it took a lot to you know when you approached me about it, i was like oh gosh you know should i like is this the right thing to do but it feels right and i i really i hope that this provides you know if somebody is going through you know, a hard time, provide some hope that, you know, this is happening to teach you something if you want to be open to the lesson. Um, so yeah. Yes. I did it. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. And th- thank you. My pleasure. Love this. 